Hello and welcome to According to John. Today we have a great topic and the topic is what happens after death. Used to scare the snot out of me. Right. Not now. Oh. I know the truth. The we truth got the answers. set me free. We got the answers, right? That's right. Yeah. I am your host, John Westfall. This is my co-host, Pastor Duke Herget, who has his own podcast. Now go on your platform that you listen to podcasts. And put in Pastor Duke, it'll come right up and listen away. He's got a great podcast going on. So now let's get back to this because we got to answer the question, what happens after death? Sir, would you please pray for us? Let's pray. Father, make this time biblical. May your spirit anoint it, anoint it from our lips into people's hearts, Lord, to just thrill your people with the promises you make and you never lie and eyes have never seen ears have never heard neither entered the heart of man the wonderful things you have prepared for them that love him so we commit this time to you in jesus name amen amen all right what happens after death some people believe well mainly the atheists will believe nothing happens some people believe it's total annihilation that once you die you're done it's over anything lights out, it lights out nothing else exists Bible doesn't say that. Not at all. As a matter of fact, what I find interesting is if you go and look at or you read books about life and what happens after death, you will read the Bible or you will read books that man has written with his opinion. There's a choice to make, the word of God or the word of man. And since someone's written a book, today we have, I mean, there's, there's so many books, what, th- uh, 24 minutes in hell or something like that or... I read a book on the topic when I was in college called uh, Voices on the Edge of Eternity. And it's not saying that people died and came back, but it was just, you know, the, just the testimonies of people, the medical, some were Christians and some weren't. And they, in their death experience, what they said just as they were departing. And I found it very interesting. But the part of that book that I found really interesting is there was, it was a kind of a biblically minded book. And we have the outline of what I believe about after death from the Bible, God's promises, he never lies. Right. And then the things that people say that fit totally with what the Bible says about their experience. And then I also have that, that verse in the Bible that apostle Paul uh, said uh, to look back in his life about uh, someone, whether in the body, out of the body, I know not, but saw such a things that, uh, that were unspeakable. Right. And I think he was talking about when he got stoned and not, you know, in the wacky, tobacco <laughs> yeah. stone, you know, he was stoned. <laughs> not, not, <laughs> Sorry, man. He was stoned and they drug him outside the city as dead. Not, not like drugged him, injected him, but yeah, physically yeah, yeah. drug him. Yeah, they, they stoned him. Uh, stoned and drugged yeah. him. And dr- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just got that. They stoned him with rocks and they drug him outside the city. And in their mind, he's dead. Now, right. I'm not a medical person, but I think I can tell the difference when somebody's dead or alive. And he was dead mm-hmm. as far as they could see. And then he <laughs> rose and uh, went back to work. Never even took a day off. It right. was crazy. So, and that he just went back to work. And the Bible doesn't say much about that. And it's like 15 years later, he's writing in First Corinthians. I saw one that was, whether it's in the body, out of the body, I know not. And it says that twice. Such an one was caught up into heaven. And there was a heavenly scene. And he wrote, which I, that which I saw was unlawful for me. So is this an, a kind of a death experience, a near-death experience that God allow him to see? Well, I, I, I think it was. I think it was. And, but he wasn't allowed to write what he saw, which I find it interesting because a lot of these things in the books that I read, Voices on the Edge of Eternity, another sequel to it called More Voices on the right. Edge of Eternity. That <laughs> was a good title first that's, time. Just, that's creative. Just, Let's yeah. go with it. And um, there, it, it is speaking about people that what they did see. It makes me a little nervous. Right. So I do find it very interesting, and I've read it, and uh, I just go with what the Bible says. If you look at the books, uh, and I, I don't read these books because – Personally, I feel like they're a waste of my time. I don't mean to slam them. They're just, it's just not my interest. 24 minutes or 23 minutes in hell. All right. God told Paul not to write it. Why does all of a sudden these people have the authority to write? And then they write it. Or was it uh, 90 minutes in heaven? But yet they can't tell you what God looked like. Can't tell you what Jesus looked like. Can't tell you, Like all these details. There are no details, but yet you spent time there. But there are no details. Yeah, to me, I I drink it in and uh, I ponder it for a moment and I just move on with what I know is true from the scriptures. And that's the scriptures. Because I've been told to preach the word, be instant in season, odyssey, and reprove, rebuke, uh, with all long-suffering and doctrine. 
And so I'm going to preach the word of God. I hold this in interest, but it's going to come and it's going to right. go. I think if people can't be motivated by what God said, why, why do you really need what, what man thinks so about it? So I want to bring up a passage that you and I have talked, and you said this really motivates you, and it should motivate everyone. And it's also a passage that I believe that really answers the question. And I don't think we need any more details than what God has given us. There's quite a few details in this verse. a lot of details. For those who do not receive Christ, let me just tell you, death means everlasting punishment. And I know that's hard because people are like, how can a loving God send someone to hell? I refuse to believe it. Well, the reality is God doesn't send people to hell. God gives you the option to go to heaven or hell. And when you deny his way to heaven, you automatically get hell. It's just it's an automatic. I think a better question than that would be, why would a holy God allow anyone in heaven? Think about that, right? Yeah, so, That's a uh, way better question. Well, in Luke sixteen twenty two and 23, it says, So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes, saw Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. 24 goes on and says, then he cried and said, Father Abraham. And I find it very interesting that he clearly recognized Abraham and had the respect for him now. (laughs) Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am am tormented in this flame. And so when the first thing that I want you to see is that there is two places uh, you have, uh, in this case, it's the Garden of Eden, I, I believe. Father Abraham's there. You have a great chasm in verse 26. We see that there's a great chasm here, which I'll read in just a second. But but we see that Abraham, uh, or that Lazarus is in Abraham's bosom. And by the way, he's not, Lazarus isn't there because he's poor and the rich man in hell because he was rich. This is relationship. Lazarus had a relationship with God. He believed the rich man didn't. He probably had a relationship with his money. That's what, that's what he, that's what he yeah, believed he lived in. for. He served his money well. Yeah, exactly. And so here we find out that there's a wonderful place Lazarus is in, and then there's this awful, awful tormenting place that the rich man is in. And then in 26, Abraham says, and besides all of this, I mean, he, he goes on and, and talks about their lives, and then he gives into 26, and he says, besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here uh, to you cannot, nor can those pass uh, from here pass to us or from there pass to us. So what we see is in this moment, and of course in Revelation, we're going to see more. And, but in this moment, when you die, immediately there's a separation of those from the body who, of, from the body. Well, I, I don't even know that. Okay. <laughs> This is the part I uh, I didn't share with you, and I'm going to tell you, we're, we're separated from the physical body because obviously it goes to dust, and we know that. But we still have a body to deal with here because yeah. he says he sees. Spiritual body, something kind of mystical uh, to what, me yet. What do we have? Because, well, we know that there's eyes because uh, the rich man looks over and says, Father Abraham, send Lazarus over to put water on my tongue. Abraham speaks back to him, which means he has ears to hear. He's tormented, so he has nerves because he feels pain. It's pain, heat. Pastors, if you're listening, I'm not, <laughs> I don't want to freak anyone out, but I am not sure what body he has. That's a great question. When I, I, I want to give the, my parameter on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, yeah. this has been a huge passage for me. This is a passage that I, I, makes me uncomfortable. Yet I go back to it over and over again. I remember when I first read this passage, Jesus was talking to me, man. And I just listened to what he said. And I didn't know theology and, you know, Abraham's bosom, paradise, and astral body present with the Lord. I I didn't know any of this. I'm just listening to Jesus. And that's a deep theological process, everything you just talked about. It's one of the deepest passages, but when you're a first-time hearer of the words of Jesus, I I know I'm listening to somebody who loves me. Mm -hmm. I'm listening to somebody who died for my sins. I'm listening to somebody who does understand everything out there about death and what happens after we die. And he's trying to explain this to me, and he loves me. It's clear believers 
go to a wonderful place. Wonder, yeah, exactly. With, and, and, and I think maybe rather than jumping into deep theology, which you and I both discussed is it can be tough, on, especially on this one. I think what we need to do is just talk about what's clear in the scriptures. And there's the, a good place and a bad place. There's a really bad place. <laughs> there's a really bad. I mean, I'm not laughing because it's bad. I'm just saying there's a really, really a bad. Really bad place yeah. and a really good place. And there's a, a chasm. It's, there's no crossing over. Right. Once you're in that good place. You're in. You're in. And when you're in that bad place, bad place you're, in. you're in. One of the things that I want to point out starting here, where Lazarus is in Abraham's bosom and where the rich man is in place of torment is not their final destination. Yeah. I, I want to clear this one thought and then move to that technical uh, bit. It's a simple technical, not the complicated. Yeah. Technical. We're not going complicated because complicated can really be yeah. get overwhelming. I killed enough brain cells in 69 that yeah. complicated <laughs> is a little bit beyond me. Right. Uh, but the mode, this has been probably the most motivational passage of scripture in all, all the Bible for me. I came out of darkness into the light. I was OD'd one night. I, I laid a heartbeat from eternity. The medical science says the amount of drugs and the amount of alcohol that I put into my 135-pound body in 30 minutes, there was a very good probability that I should have died, but I didn't. And I remember waking up from that and sick and thinking, wow, there's a reason they call it dope. I was, I was a heartbeat away from stepping into this world after death, and I, I wasn't prepared. When I re remember the first time listening to Jesus explain this to me, it, it motivated me. Number one, it made me so thankful that he promises me I'm going to the good place. He'll be with me always. He'll never leave me or forsake me. He's going to take me to this good place. Oh, thank you, Lord. But then immediately he also takes me to... The bad place. Right. I almost landed there, and I'm so thankful that by his grace I didn't. But I have a lot of friends, and I had a lot of family who really weren't tuning the Lord in, and they didn't know the scriptures. They had their opinions, and th not that they were wicked people, because I was by far the most wicked in all my circle. But I began to have a concern for them, just like in this passage. This guy in the bad place is deeply concerned about his family who's not ready. And that is in 27. Then he said, he being the rich man. In hell. In hell. Hades. Or, or Hades, yeah, because he's not word. in his everlasting place, right? Just a temporary yet. place, Hades. Just for clarity, the reason that you go to Hades and not straight to hell and you go to Abraham's bosom and not straight to heaven is because every one of us has to go through a judgment seat, whether it's the judgment seat of Christ for believers, uh, for believers or the great white throne judgment for unbelievers. for unbelievers. This is why you find one in Abraham's bosom and the other in, in Hades, a place of torment because nobody's been judged yet to their final Destination. It's interesting in our ju in our judicial and criminal system, we, we do the same, same thing. thing. Somebody does a crime, they get arrested, they put them in the county jail, and they await trial. If they're found innocent, they're released. If they're found guilty, they're sentenced to the penitentiary or in some place, times and places, that even the death penalty. Right. So there's there's always the uh, the temporary holding place, and I'm in the county jail all the time. They're either they're either released or sent up. But they, they wait the judgment. And it's interesting that uh, our judicial system kind of follows the, the biblical pattern there. Yeah, it really does. And we find that out that our whole life follows the Bible. Yeah. If we're not in denial, we can see it. If we're in denial, well, we just keep denying it. But yeah, great point, right? And so what he says here in 27, then he, the rich man, said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. And then in 28, for I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. What I really find interesting is Abraham's comment, because Abraham says, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to him from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. 
like about uh, 10 things popping into mind all at the same time. I'm going to go back and finish the thought I began a moment ago. Yeah, because if we don't stay on topic, how quickly we can run this. to this. Yeah, yeah go ahead. This is, this is loaded. This is a huge passage. But how it affected me as a, as a new believer, immediately when I got saved, I wanted my family to be saved because I loved them, and I wanted all of my friends to be saved. I began to witness them. They didn't want to hear it. They thought I freaked out on God. And, yeah. <laughs> but... It was amazing. I would go back to this passage over and over. Every every day for a while, I would read this passage. And then when I went to Bible college, I would read this passage every week. I would just, you know, like Monday, I, I go to Luke and read this passage. And throughout my ministry, I go back because this just makes it simple. We're in this world. It's appointed and a man wants to die. After this, the judgment. Here's an example. Two people, a believer and an unbeliever, died one went to a good place, happy place, comfortable place, exciting place. One person went to a horrible place. And I don't want anybody to go to that horrible place. That's why Jesus came, suffered, bled, and died, paid for our sins, so nobody has to go to this horrible place. And so this has been very motivational to me. I go back and I read it slowly. I let it sink in because it motivates me to be faithful. Sometimes I, I, I get pouty and I get discouraged. I get my eyes off the Lord a little bit and I didn't sign up for this, and I just right. want people to think I'm so awesome. <laughs> and, you know, people disagree with me, and I, I don't want to be disagreeable, but right. if I'm standing on the Word of God and they hate me, so be it, for so persecuted the prophets. But I like to get along with people. And sometimes you're in conflict, and you just you get a little mopey, and eh, I just want to go off and go out in my garden and just do my thing, tune the world up, forget about it, you know? Yeah, well, every now and then, that's a good thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> This passage brings me back, gets my eyes back right. on the Lord, my hand back on the plow. I want to stay on mission. Right. I don't want to stop because of discouragement. This has been a sacred passage for me. And I don't know if I totally fully understand it and all of its implications, but uh, he does. And it motivates me. And I'm so well, thankful that I have the peace that I'm going to the happy place. Yeah. And, and one of the things that we just want to point out for clarity is the death side of it. In 22, so it was the beggar died and so it was the rich man died. We're going to die. There's an appointed time unto death. Or, or no, for every man uh, is appointed uh, unto death. How's, give me that verse. Exactly. It's appointed unto man once, once to die. Once to die. Thank you. Right, right. My brain. Uh, we're not I love when your it. brain gets fried. <laughs> Misery loves company. And, and I don't know that if an appointed time as much as death is appointed to man. Yeah. But either way, we're going to die. Right. And nobody's ever escaped that. One's going to go to the good place. One's going to go to the bad place. Luke chapter 16. Revelation 20, 11 through 15, describes all the unbelieving dead being resurrected, judged at the great white throne, and then being cast into the lake of fire. This is the second part that we were talking about. Remember, the first part, uh, when you die, you are either going to go to be with the Lord, whether that is in wherever that's at, whether that's paradise or wherever that is, Abraham's bosom. Yeah. The other is, if you don't believe, you are going to a hot place, whether it's the desert on the other side of the chasm, whatever it place is. A place of torment. A place of torment. Exactly. So that's what we'll do. We're going to, we're, listen, we're going to talk with the Lord or a place of torment. That, that's how we'll define it. So then we get to Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. And this is for unbeliever and and remember the unbeliever is not sent to the lake of fire immediately they're in a place of torment so here we have revelation 20 11 then i saw a great way and by the way this is going to get better just hang in there because uh, we're not going to leave it on a bad note just some good news to follow <laughs> but... some great news to follow so it says then i saw a great white throne and him who sat on it him is god or jesus because jesus is the judge uh, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. Small and great is position that you were on earth, whether you were a poor man or a king. Small or great, right? Are you in there? Okay. Amen. Then he says uh, uh, they were all standing before God. What he's saying is no human being, no matter what position you have on earth, is going to avoid standing before God and getting judged. You can't buy your way out of this. You cannot buy your way out of this. It says here, and the books were open. So it says 12, and I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. Books. What books? 
and then it goes on and another book was opened. So we have two sets of books, if you will. Well, we have books and then we have a book. Books are events in our life. Books describe everything that we've done. Books uh, that are written in these books. When, when you stand before God, he's going to open these books and he's going to look it up and he's going to go, Duke. Herget. Mount Vernon, Ohio, January 8th, 1954, the journey began. And, you know, it's hard for us to, I think it's easier for us now to understand the, what might be in those books because it's all recorded, everything oh. we've ever done. Even every, if we gave a cup of water and every little detail that is recorded. is in those books. Yeah, it's interesting because now pretty much all that's on my phone right. for the last 10 years. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. right. So it's like, how could you comprehend that? It's like now with technology, it's like, yeah, you can yeah, see it. it's much more easy yeah. to understand yeah. that. The books of our deeds are going to be open. The books, are, the books is everything you've ever done in your whole life. That's the books. And then it says, and another book was opened. That is a book. That just has names in it. I think it's the Lamb's book, book of, life. of life. Absolutely, it it just has. There, there's no events in it. There's no. Uh, there might be. There might be your name and your birth date, spiritual, spiritual birth date, date right? So that book would be for me. It would be John Westfall, uh, October second, nineteen ninety four. Duke Herget. June 18th, 1972. What a book. Right? I just want you to see that God keeps record of everything, which is kind of scary too, man, when you think about it. Like you didn't get away with nothing. God says you'll stand before him as you were naked. And I know for some that's a bad thought, but the reality is you're going to stand before God and you won't have a pocket to hide anything in. Yeah. It's all going to be laid out. Every idle word. Every idle word. In front of Everybody. everybody the righteous judge there'd be, there'd be no alibis there'd be no place to hide that's a scary thought it, it man. Is. That, that'll make you to be on that forward. end of it if you're not written in a book of life if you are written in the book of life guess what uh, is not going to be exposed every deed you've ever done the blood of jesus christ god's son cleanse us from all all, sin. Un, all unrighteousness that handwriting of ordinances which was against us the book of life all the thing that we've done uh, hath he nailed to the cross Forgiven us our sins, buried Ooh, him in the deepest sea, that, cast him as far as east from the west, and dude, praise God, dude, remembers them dude. no more. Okay. That right there. That's the good news. That's amazing yeah, that you. God would do that for us who are undeserving of anything. So when we get in here and we see, I saw the dead, small and great, poor and rich. That's what that means. Uh, standing before God, nobody's going to escape that. Books were open. That is the book of everything you've ever done in your entire life. And another book was open. That's the book of life that has your name and, and maybe your spiritual birthday in it. And the dead were judged according to their works. And who's the dead? Non-believers. Because we're talking on a spiritual level here. And they've died throughout the ages, and they've waited for this day, for this big event. Well, and that, so that's the other thing. When you die, and that's why we talk about the place of torment. It's not hell yet. It's not the lake of fire. It is the place of torment. So just for sake of an argument, let's just call it the desert. Let's say God throws you in the desert because there's a chasm there. You got one in a place of hot, tormented. He sure wasn't having fun there. He was not having fun. And so we'll call that the desert where uh, it's like it's just a big prison in the desert that you are being held in until this day. And then you were judged. You're dead because you're spiritually dead to God. God does not know you because you did not know him. And so now you're strangers. So then he says, and the dead were judged according to their books by the things which were written in the books. Because again, remember, there's a, a record there. God documents it, so it's all undeniable. I mean, I imagine, I wonder if it's all notarized too. <laughs> Got it right here on the phone. Got yeah, all right. your stuff right there. <laughs> it's all there. And so it says, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Verse 13. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his work. What this passage is saying is everyone everywhere was brought before God to be judged. Yep. Nobody gets away with nothing. Bad English, but it is proper Great theology. theology, right? And then verse 14, then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second 
death, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Once you were judged, now you go to your final resting place, which is the lake of fire, which is even worse torment than the desert, if you will. Johnny, this is the second passage of scripture throughout the years that I continue to go back to. Those are probably the two clearest passages of scripture that explain the topic. That's what this is. It's a Bible study. What does God say about death? Exactly. Huge grace and blessing if you're a believer, and it's horrific if you're not. Now, do you ever have anybody tell you, well, you can't take that literally. That's just a parable. Anybody ever tell you that? Yeah, and that's one of the things that I always try to make sure I clarify without question. Guys, this is not a parable. And, and I'm going to tell you why, or, or Luke, actually it's Luke chapter 16, they say it's a parable. It is not a parable. And let me tell you things about parables. Parables carry an absolute truth without mentioning any names. So there would be no names of people and there would be no names of places. Of places. Or time. Exactly. It is a, parables give you a principle of truth. So when we see Luke chapter 16, he talks about Abraham. It's not a parable. It's not it's a, a parable. It, it is a real event that has happened, and he's telling us about it. And here's how we know that it's a truth. Because first off, let's just say if it was a parable, then he says that Abraham says certain things, and, and the rich man says certain things. And then he says that they have Moses and the prophets, and so it gives this whole time but if Abraham didn't really say it, then Jesus just lied. Specific conversation, specific names, specific events, places. Everything. If that is a parable, then it's a made-up story with a truth, which is still a made-up story. That's what a parable is. It's a made-up story with a truth. But this is not a made-up story. It can't be yeah. because yeah. of the names. And then Jesus is sharing this, and then he gets to the end of it. If, and, and the very fact that he didn't say, hey, guys, this is an example. It, he just left it as it is, which means if it's not, Jesus lied. Yeah. Here's what happened to the rich man. Don't let it happen to you. I'm, I'm giving you a truth is what he says and a real-life example. You know, throughout the history of the church, people just are so offended by the, the Bible teaching of hell the Bible teaching of judgment. Right. They'd lean on Jesus. Oh, Jesus is God is love. God is love. God. It was just true. That's why he's loved the world and gave his son to pay for our sins. But there's a consequence for it. Throughout history, you have those trying to take away punishment, try to take away judgment, try to take away hell. And they'll come along and that's why they say, well, it's not really a real story. It's just a parable. But even if it was a parable, which it's not, that's not, even if it was, it's still, that the should same capture warning. you because it's a true warning, if nothing else. Right. And it motivates me to do what I do every day to get out of bed and not just go out and play in my garden and then go feed my animals and have fun. I got to put my hand on that plow. I've got to get up and make a difference in somebody's lives. Yes. I've got to try to reach this lost world for Jesus. Yes. Well, and, and yeah, if that don't motivate you, I mean, if, if you look in 1624, he says, uh, then he cried, the rich man cried, who is in torment, right? Then he cried and said, Father Abraham. And listen, I'm telling you, this is a desperation cry. This isn't just, hey, Dookie, what's up, buddy? You yeah, yeah. Is everything life's good? Yeah, no, no, no. This is a desperation. Father Abraham. There's a great chasm there, so you know he's got to yell. This is desperation. Anguish. And Pain. he says, have mercy on me. If he would have just said that that prayer before his last breath yeah. have mercy on me and send Lazarus uh, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame and I think for me because we know he's not in his eternal place yet which is hell and that he says this flame I think the flame he's talking about is the sun and that he's in the desert and because there's a chasm, it just kind of, you know, it, it fits as you read it, almost as if it would be a place on earth, if you will. I'm just saying like the desert would be. Put a touch of water on my tongue. I'm in torment. It's amazing. Uh, he was a Jew. Father, Abraham, he's Jewish. Yes. He knew, he knew the teachings. And it's kind of like. He was religious, I'm sure. Yeah, it's kind of like he 
sort of knew the truth, but tuned it out because to make a good living, I'm comfortable. People respect me. They know me. You know, if everybody's going to make it, it's going to be me. He was comfortable. Well, even the disciples said, if the rich man can't make it, then who can? Yeah. And he was comfortable in his unbelief. Right. And he probably didn't even think he's an unbeliever. He's recognizing Abraham as his father, but he had never made that commitment. And now he wishes he had. Absolutely. And, and you, you see exactly what you're talking about in John chapter 8, where the Pharisees and the rich men and the lawyers and all this is coming together and they're arguing with Jesus. And they even say, because Jesus asked them, do you know who your father is? Or you're, you're like your father. And they say, we know who our father is. We're not, we're not uh, born of fornication. In other words, they're not born outside of marriage. We know who our father is and it's Abraham. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. <laughs> no. If Abraham were your father, then you uh, you would listen and you wouldn't try to kill me, but yeah. you do the works of your father, the devil. the devil. Yeah. He kind of pointed it out. Didn't he? They knew who Abraham was. See, Jesus pulled no punches and he was kind and he was long oh, yeah. suffering, but he pulled yeah. no punches. And we're living in a world today that wants, wants us to pull our punches. Yeah. I want to be kind. I want to be long suffering. I want to live a life that is noted by mercy and kindness. And, uh, my Catholic friends call it the corporal works of mercy. Uh, I want my life to be known by benevolence. I want to care for the orphans and uh, the widows in their affliction. I, I want all that. But I didn't write the scriptures. God did. And he right. told me to preach them. Right. And he said, be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come, and that time is here, that men won't want to hear sound doctrine. Right. Tell us what we want to hear. Right. Tickle our ears. Hey, I, I don't like the doctrine of hell but I believe it. I'm thrilled that Jesus took my punishment so I don't have to go there. And I step up to the plate of responsibility to give my life so others don't have to go there. That's, that's why Jesus came. That's why I live. And that's why, I mean, that's why anybody that preaches the gospel, they feel the same way. Anybody that gives you a social gospel tells you there's no heaven, there's no hell, or there's heaven. God loves you. You're automatically in. I'm telling you, they're, they're a liar, and they are of their father, the devil, because they're not telling you the truth of the word of God. So, so now, because I have a ton of scriptures, and our clock is ticking faster than we are. <laughs> <laughs> That's your fault, John. It is my fault. But So I, I want to I bring a clarification that, that when you die— the first death, if you will, you will die without God and you go to a temporal place, but so do believers. The believers go to Abraham's bosom and the lost go to uh, the desert, if you will. We're just going to put it there because nobody's been judged yet. Nobody's went through the judgment seat of Christ, which is a Christian, and nobody's went through uh, the great white throne judgment, which is the lost. And so there's going to be uh, right now, temporary heaven or hell, if you will. But the Bible says the believers, we get a great place. It says in 21.1, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. We see that there's a new place, a new heaven, and we that's, our, that's ours. Very interesting. The unbeliever, though, is going to get cast in the lake of fire and their, their torment's only going to get worse. The Bible says that the unbeliever goes where the worm does not die. And the fire is not quenched. And the fire is not quenched. So those are your final destinations. There's a new heaven, heaven, and then hell, which is eternal fire and eternal torment, uh, the, the lake of fire. But your determining place is on your decision. Matthew 25, 46. Uh, and these will go away in the everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Depending on your decision, and by the way, we're, you and I aren't righteous because we're righteous. No, it's been given unto us. We're righteous because Christ died and we believed in Christ. He imputed. Not only did he take our sin on himself, yes. he also imputed unto us his righteousness. And that'll blow your mind. Yeah. That'll make you happy when you get hold of that. Right. So Matthew 25, 46 says, and these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And so again, we see clear distinction of two completely different places. The Bible's clear about, well, what determines where you go? John three thirty six. 
He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Pretty simple when you go to the Scriptures, isn't it? It's as clear as we can get. When you look at this, it's a personal decision. Watch this, Duke 36. He who believes and he who does not believe. For all those years, I was condemned and didn't know it. And I was a little irritated with those who brought it to my attention that I was condemned. Right. Okay, who are you to judge me? Yeah, yeah. It's none of your business, you know. Right. I'm a God. good you saying I'm not a good guy? I, yeah, that's the other thing. You challenging my goodness? Yeah, <laughs> you stink like drug, the rest of us. I'm a drug dealer. <laughs> I'm a total wreck, but I, I'm a good guy, you know. I'm not as bad as that guy, you know. So, He's the bad guy. I'm the good guy here. So here's I only I, sell good dope. That's right. <laughs> Dude, I don't sell ragweed, man. Uh, here's what I find interesting talking about that is you see this guy that ends up getting shot, killed, or whatever, and then the family gets on. He was a good boy. No, no. He was trying to kill someone, and he ended up dead. He's not a good boy. <laughs> Unfortunate, but the facts are the facts. Exactly. You know, the rap sheet. That's a neat thing. We all have a rap sheet, you know? And it's, it's, it's That's the that's the book. I thought I got away with everything because, you know, I gave so close to getting busted so many times. And I thought, oh, I don't have a rap sheet. <laughs> uh, yes, I do. And everything I did was recorded. And, and God took that rap sheet and nailed it to the cross and forgave me, cleansed me. And yeah. then he gave me his righteousness. Just seeing all these things. I, I don't mind trying to pick and choose what scriptures I want to believe. I'm not trying to be politically correct. I'm going to stand before God. That's right. As, as a preacher. And you're going to give an account. And say, oh, well, I looked at how things were moving in, in the religious community of my of my generation, and so I backed off on that because yeah. it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't was, popular, it was, you know. <laughs> I don't want people to think I was crazy. Yeah, so. Jesus, Jesus, you know that if I would have told them what your word actually said, I would have lost people in the pew. Yeah, I'm out to get a crowd. I'm out to make some money on this thing. That's what the Pharisees were doing. That's exactly and Jesus what they got were in doing. their face. So I just, I just listened to what he said. I drink it in. I combobulate it, and then I go out with a fire in my heart i hope people come watch me burn and they realize if god can change the duke meister or johnny he can change anybody Amen. i hope our lives i think we do yeah. give give yeah. hope to yeah. others i'm gonna agree with you on that to get back into the to the scriptures here for the believer in jesus christ uh, the bible tells us that after death that our souls or spirit will be taken to heaven because we're going to be with God. That's, that's where we're going to be because our sins have been forgiven. Check this out. John three sixteen, And I know everyone knows John three sixteen, but we're going to say it again. Music to our soul. Oh my goodness. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son, that if you believe in him, you would not perish, but you would have everlasting life. Okay. I've read into it, but you know, that's what it means. He made a direct application. It's a direct that's application. That's what God intended. Absolutely. Yeah. And then how about John three eighteen? He who believes in him, Jesus, is not condemned, but Let me he say who that again. Is not condemned. condemned. I told my wife sometimes when I'm laid out in my casket, just have a little sign there. Not condemned. condemned. <laughs> <laughs> and a smile on my face if they Yeah, can. right. Because that is the entire gift right there is no condemnation. And if you're not condemned, you live forever. That's the, like everything is wrapped up in, in being declared innocent. That's why it came. No condemnation literally means declared innocent. It came with a price, the price of Jesus Christ, but, but we're declared innocent. You know, it was the life of Jesus that declared us innocent if we believe in him. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. How much clearer can God have made these pass? You know, there's some passages that you can't take them out and they're not standalone. You got to keep them contextual. And then we have some passages that are just absolutely standalone. John 3.16, standalone. John 3.18, standalone. How about John 3.36? He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, forever life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Once again, uh, these are standalone passages that don't need anything else for context of the meaning. You see that verb uh, tense there? He that who believes on the Son of God, what? Has. has. Present tense. Has. Not going to get it someday. We already we have got it. it. 
great it's just point. A matter. When we when we great come point. to yeah. our time yeah. of death, it's appointed a man wants to death. When that time comes, we already have everlasting we, life, and it just we just move from this world and we move to the waiting place that's right. of paradise, Abraham's bosom, a uh, happy place, comfortable place, a place uh, <laughs> we're going to love being there. People be waiting. I think it'll be people that are waiting for us to um, can to you Well, reunite. the Bible says that, the Bible says that when you die there's a party. Yeah. There's a celebration. Yeah. Uh, because because death to a saint isn't death at all cuz we don't die the second death. I uh, see it where we, you know, we have I have family here and I love but now I'm a papa and I got grandkids and, you know, someday I, the Lord doesn't come back as soon as I think I'm going to die and I'm going to experience everything that I've been preaching right. for almost 50 years. And I've got people here I'll be leaving behind, but I got a whole lot of people waiting for me. And so it's so sad to say goodbye, but hey, it's going to be so happy to say hello again. Every time I do a funeral, every time a loved one dies and I know that they're a believer, I'm like, that sucker got there before I did. Yeah, I almost get jealous sometimes. <laughs> I, I do. And I... Not in an ungodly way, but I'm like, they're in the bosom of Abraham. What a sweet, sweet place. Okay, so for believers, death is to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. Second Corinthians 5, 6 through 8, Paul says this. So we are always, what is that? We are always confident. Confident. Now, wait a minute. That means there's no... Doubting, there's no second it's guessing. Not thin ice, it's not a hope, and it's not. We'll see in the end. It is these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may you have eternal. No, or no, that, that's right, that's right. You know, John, I set you up. You blew it, dude. First that you John, may. Here we go. Yeah, second yeah, time yeah, around. Yeah, that you yeah, may. No. There you go. You get the point. Okay. <laughs> that was that's First John, by the way. Boy, I missed that one. Up. According to John, you know. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Man, throw me under. But the look bus. at that. That we we don't. We don't that we have would to know. wonder that we know. Right. People say, you can't know that. Right. Well, right. God said we can. Yeah. We yeah. got enough to worry about. We don't have to worry yeah. about this. Assurance yeah. of and, salvation. And, that's, and that was what John was writing about, that you may know that you have eternal life. That's the whole purpose of this uh, Bible study today, isn't it? All of it. That you may know no. that you have eternal yeah. life. Yeah, because, you know, when you die, where are you going? Well, you're going to torment. You're going to hell if you don't know Jesus. But if you do know Jesus... This is a promise that we have in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 6 through 8. So we are always confident, always confident, knowing, confidently knowing. I mean, how much more assurance can we get here, right? That we are always confident, or we are, yeah, always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident. Yes. Well, please. I had a preacher I heard say this years ago, and I never forget. He goes, I'm so confident in Jesus, I can swing out over hell on a rotten corn stock and sing Amazing Grace. <laughs> How sweet the sound, right? But look here it's in 8, he says, we are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Oh, I'm just snuggling up with these verses, Johnny. How sweet mm. is this? So so we see the difference between being lost, you have no hope, you're condemned, it's just not going to be good. But if you are born again, saved, we know we're not going to. These people that go, I, I think I'm saved. Well, guess what? You're not saved. No, the other verse that just. And, and I know I jumped out and said that pretty aggressively, but, but the Bible says that if you're saved, you know you're saved. Yeah. No so salvation. I love uh, another verse, another layer of, you know, we're kind of in that happy place now yeah, what, yeah. What, uh, of the, what happens when we die. First Corinthians two, it says eyes have never seen. And I think, think of the beautiful things I've seen. I, I mean, there's beauty in the natural world, the stars at night, the grand Canyon flowers, my wife's beautiful face, uh, the, my grandchildren, children, their faces, the, the eyes, my eyes have seen some beautiful things. And he says, but your eyes have never seen your ears have never heard. And I just think of some of the beauty. I've been to some great music concerts through the years and, and I've heard music from my ears. I heard my dad give his testimony of of committing his heart to Jesus. I've heard my ears have heard some beautiful things. And he said, you ain't heard nothing yet. Eyes have never seen ears have never heard. Neither entered the heart of man. That word kind of carries the meaning of imagination. Dream on, baby. Right. <laughs> yeah, even in your dreams, you can't get close. Dream bigger. <laughs> Think you, about that. God's saying, you ain't seen yeah. nothing yeah. yet that are prepared for those who love him. 
That motivates me. Well, how about how about this? First Corinthians fifteen fifty. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. So again, he is clearly dividing, making a clear distinction. Behold, and I tell people all the time, when you get to that word behold, it's like, hey, let me get your attention. Behold, stop, listen. Stop dead in your tracks. If you get a hold of anything, get hold of this. This is important. Yeah, exactly. It's like, stop. I got something really important that you need to know. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this incorruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, that saved person that when we die, God clothes us with uh, immortality and and we're no longer have this corruption of, of the flesh. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. But I, I want you to notice something here real quick in verse 30, uh, 32. Verse 32. <laughs> <laughs> 32 uh, is 52. It says, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. That means for those of you who say, I'll wait a little longer. You won't have the time it takes because a twinkling of an eye is in an instant. I think the rich man might have said that back in Luke 16, huh? Right. And so I, I just want you to see that, that for those of you who say, well, you know, one day, listen, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And the reason that today is the day of salvation is because you may not have that moment you need to get saved. Because when, when this happens, it's in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet done, it's over. When he knocks, open. Um, you better when he calls come unlike the world tells you, you got a second chance. You may not have a second chance. And then I want you to go ahead. Well, that's all, all through every scripture you've read, John, it's one and done. And if it's not done, it's over. Mm-hmm. It, there's, there's no second chance. Heretics throughout the ages have tried to, well, somebody else can pay money to the church to get you off the hook or no, you, can. you can have somebody else give money to the Mormons and they'll baptize you. And then they'll get, you get a second chance from the Mormons. You get a second chance and that's not from the word of God. So here's what we know. Now is the time and it's personal decision for everyone. So simple. You will be held accountable. Don't think for a minute that you're not going to be held accountable for your sins. And the only way that they are washed away is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, which means that you got to believe not in your head, but in your heart. And if you don't make that transition of belief, you have no hope. Jesus will say, away from me, you worker of sin, for I never knew you. These passages of scripture, you have the personal application. He knocks, we make our decision. And then these passages carry us through the rest of our, of our journey because others are going to face the same thing and we want to give ourselves to help people be ready for it. Yeah. And along the way we're going to get mocked, but that's okay. That's what, that's all right. Listen, I am so solid in who I am. I can wear mauve. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to read first Thessalonians four 13 or, or listen as I read, it says, but I do not want you to be ignorant brethren. Uh, again, this is very specific to the saved. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. When you read in Scripture that someone dies and it says that they've fallen asleep, it's because we don't die the second death. Once we're born, we are forever living. But those who die without Christ, it will say they died. Yeah, that asleep is kind of comforting, isn't it? Oh, it is. And it's interesting yeah. when I, I fall asleep and then maybe I sleep eight hours. Of course, now I got to get up twice to go to the potty during the night. But back in the day, I'd sleep. You know, you go to <laughs> sleep and you wake up and it's like it, it, the whole new world. It's, I mean, it just, it's like you right. went to sleep and you woke up and it's a new day. Yeah. And it, maybe that's what it's talking about there. You know, like we, we go to sleep in Jesus where we, we, well, we pass from death. On, are you ready? Verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, 
that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Mm, I love that word together. Together. Wait till you meet my dad, Johnny. I'm going to be excited to meet your dad because your dad, my mom, and my dad are all sitting around talking about you and me <laughs> shaking their head. No, I don't know. Sorry, I'm just saying, right. Yeah. So I want you to see also the reuniting of the glorified body and soul and spirit. We're there. And we're going to find this in revelation 21, 22. Uh, and this is for believers for eternity in the new heavens and the new earth. And I read it earlier, but I'm going to read it again because I want you guys to get it. 21, 22. And it says this. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. When we are all reunited with God, with Christ, it's going to be a great day. Grand reunion. It's so beautiful, isn't it? It, it is. going to be together. I love that's one of my favorite words now, together with them. Yeah. We're apart now, but my heart's not apart from them. And one right. day, my heart, matter of fact, I think my heart's more intense with my mom and dad than it was when I was here because they were here and I didn't worry about it. But now they're gone. I can't wait for that moment. We're back together again. Yeah, it's going to be a beautiful day. Hey, guys, I hope that you see what the Bible clearly says about what happens after death. When you die, you're going to go where you decided when you were alive. It's your choice. It's your choice. Nothing changes once you take your last breath, but that's what you have to look forward to if you die without Christ, and that's what you have to look forward to if you die with Christ. I hope we answered your questions. If we did, like, share, subscribe, follow. God bless you, and until next week.